Kim. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. And that ball cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery because it just got tattooed. This is the Press Box. What can I say? I like to kill. Bischoff. I don't understand that reference. Adam Candy. You know, these football players are very young, strong people. And physically, I mean, they're physically in extraordinary shape. So they're not going to have a problem. You're not going to see people, you know, could there be, could it happen? But I doubt it. You're not going to see people dying. Ed Graney is making his way back from New York. We've got Adam Candy in again. Adam's done more than a week's worth of shows now uh, with Ed Graney in New York and my one day off to try to get to Houston for the worst day of my life. But let's start with the Raiders. The first bite. Helps if I have it pulled up. Is Las Vegas to blame for the Raiders players problems? So, This is a narrative that has made it out uh, from more than one person in the media. First, Peter King wrote, but this thought occurred to me after one smart official from another NFL team asked me over the weekend, do you think it might be Vegas? I can tell you, I'm I'm glad I'm not working with a team in Vegas. At first glance, it seems like a conclusion jump, but what if the city that rarely sleeps is really a detriment? for team building and a detriment for young players flush with cash for the first time in their lives. Our young players in Cincinnati or Minneapolis or Green Bay or Seattle driving 156 miles per hour in the streets at 3.30 on a Tuesday morning during the season or being tempted in other ways in a city that is awake at all hours. Also, we had Andrew Brandt tweet out, with the rugs and Arnett situation, the Sin City element may be a factor. I managed a team in Green Bay where the culture is football only. Sometimes I didn't even realize that in most places, football was a small slice of what was going on there. So, Adam, is Sin City to blame? If I hear one more person from the national media come parachuting in with this garbage narrative... I'm going to start taking a list Billy Madison style, and I'm going to not term it people to kill, but I'm going to term it people to flame at the very least. This is one of the most ridiculous things that anybody who has spent any level of time living in Las Vegas knows that can be put out there to say, well, it's a problem because of Vegas. Andrew Brandt said that maybe the, uh, the Henry Ruggs thing was part of it, right? Maybe it's part of Vegas. Who's driving 157 miles an hour in other cities? Well, um, I would say Dallas. Um, <laughs> it, it definitely happened in Dallas. Do we remember Josh Brent back in 2012 who was driving his Mercedes 110 miles an hour in a 45 in Irving, Texas with a blood alcohol level the exact same as Henry Ruggs, twice the legal limit? Dallas, a city where we can't have a team anymore because we should probably tell Jerry Jones if that's the case. Um, I am so very tired as someone who's lived here since 1989 of hearing that we live in, quote, Sin City. I live in Green Valley, not Sin City. I live along a walking path 
that is covered in trees that are changing color right now, where I walk by people with dogs and babies and strollers every single day. I don't walk by Henry Ruggs driving 157 miles an hour. Damon Arnett could have his guns on Instagram in any city in the world. <laughs> but sure, let's make it about Vegas. Peter King, Andrew Brandt, do better because that's crap. I I don't know. Maybe it's because I live here, too. I don't understand how this is such a strong narrative. Like, these people have been to Las Vegas, haven't they? Like, I, I just I don't get how the idea is, well... This could only happen in Vegas. Like yeah, Las Vegas contributed to this. Like Henry Ruggs was at a, was at a Top Golf before this happened. Like there's Top Golfs all over the country. Like there's but it was a Top Golf on the Strip. I, it's not, it's not even on the Strip. Like <laughs> like it's not like it's it's not it's not really on the Strip. Like I I don't I don't get it. Like there are other big cities that have basically all the same things we have here. And I, I don't know. I just. Like, these people have been here. I guess maybe they haven't been to Green Valley. Maybe maybe you need to invite them to Green Valley to go on a walk with you so they can walk by the trees and the dogs at them. Um, and you can show them that those aren't somehow interactive slot machines to get you to gamble while you're walking in the morning or something. But I just, I, I don't get how this is such a, a, a strong narrative from multiple people. Again, it's not, this isn't one person that came out and had some terrible take yesterday. Multiple people have had this take, and it's... It's bizarre to me. It's like there's there's actual people that live in this. It's not like some strange city that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. I mean, it is strange in its own ways, and we embrace the strange that, that Las Vegas is. But when you ask, have they been here before? Of course they have. They've been to a three- or four-mile road, right? Like they've been to one little piece of the strip and maybe to a stadium, and that's about it. And it's beyond the fact to me that they just say these things happen in Las Vegas. It's that they pick out other cities to compare it to. <laughs> As though nothing bad ever happens in Cincinnati. <laughs> nothing bad ever happens in Minneapolis. Just stop. Just stop. You're telling on yourself. You're telling on yourself at your ignorance and your lack of attention to understanding that this is an area of 2 million people who do not go out and get hammered at Top Golf and drive 157 miles an hour. And you know who we could ask about it? Who would give these guys a little bit of context? Ask the Golden Knights. Have we had professional hockey players who have had these sorts of problems over the last five years in Vegas? We haven't because they live in Summerlin and they drive five minutes from their fancy Summerlin houses to City National Arena in the middle of downtown Summerlin, essentially a giant outdoor strip mall that could be in any place in the country. Have the Aces had these problems because they live in Vegas? No, they haven't. Have 98% of the Raiders had these problems because they live in Vegas? No. Could they have these problems in another city? Yes. So, Tyler, I understand why you find it bizarre. Um, I just have lived here so long that I have heard this kind of thing so many times that it infuriates me every time it pops up because it is a simple narrative to disprove and they don't take the time to disprove their own simple thought. I thoroughly enjoyed an Andrew Brandt's criticism when he says, I managed a team in Green Bay where the culture is football only. Has he paid attention to the most recent news about the Green Bay Packers? Is anything Aaron Rodgers has done the past week been about football like the idea that oh well green bay there's not much going on the the guys on this team only care about football no they don't 
I not not even close. Like hell, they probably care less about just football in Green Bay than anywhere else. Like the idea that just because Green Bay is some small city that those players only care about football is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Oh, but Andrew Brandt was the one who signed Aaron Rodgers, so you're not going to get anything objective out of him on that. Um, what you will get apparently is completely forgetting Mark Chimura. Does he, does he not remember Mark Chimura? Because this happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin back in 2000, where Mark Chimura, Green Bay Packers tight end, was accused of sexually assaulting the 17-year-old babysitter of his children. Now, he was found not guilty of the charges, uh, but he was charged with child enticement, third-degree sexual assault. He acknowledged that his behavior at a post-prom party, quote, wasn't something a married man should do. So I guess when you're trying to find a little bit of action as a famous football player, you don't have to be in Vegas. You can be in Waukesha, and it can happen there. Um, do you have a whole list? I'm curious if you, how many more you've got because I'm willing to just let you go if you want to. There's no need. Okay. Because <laughs> you know how long it took me to look up these things? It took me about 30 seconds because they came from memory. Because I could remember Josh Brent. Because I could remember Mark Chamura. Because if you gave me long enough, it would take me very little time to go through the other 31 cities in the NFL and find something to say these things could have happened anywhere. Now, uh, to catch everyone up, if you have not uh, heard the exact news about Damon Arnett, the Raiders released him yesterday uh, after there was a video. It was actually originally posted to TikTok, but it got deleted but was saved. Uh, a video of Damon Arnett waving around multiple guns threatening to kill someone. Uh, not really sure who the assumption there is. There was somebody he was messaging on a social media platform. Don't know which one. Uh, but yeah, just him threatening to kill people, waving around three guns. That is on top of a few other issues here for Damon Arnett. He is being sued for a hit and run that happened in October of 2020. Uh, TMZ had a report on that. Damon Arnett was at fault in the accident that happened near the Raiders facility. Uh, the woman he hit is now suing for, I think it was $92,000 in medical bills. Now, the interesting part of that story from TMZ was that Arnett left the scene to go to a team meeting, but left a friend behind. And the friend tried to tell police that he was the one that was driving. Eventually, they figured out, no, no, Arnett was the one that was driving. There's another incident where Arnett is being sued by a uh, valet worker for the Aria, where Arnett is accused of berating, spitting, and poking this employee because the employee would not retrieve Arnett's car because Damon Arnett did not have the valet receipt. Uh, they eventually found the valet receipt back in his hotel room, but he did not have it at the moment to get the car. Uh, and then, Adam, or excuse me, Ian Rappaport tweeted yesterday. That Damon Arnett, in his rookie year, crashed four rental cars in a month, which, I, I, how? How do you, I, I haven't been in four accidents in my life. Four rental cars in a month? How did he even get to the third rental car, let alone the fourth, and crash them all? I don't think he's going to be eligible for the Rogers rate. <laughs> um, I thought everybody was. I thought that was the whole point of the commercial. No, no, even Damon Arnett <laughs> might be beyond the Rogers rate at this point. Um, Tyler, my tone of voice will tell you we're not surprised because we knew Damon Arnett had problems off the field long before he was drafted. 
Yeah, this was part of the scouting report on Damon Arnett. This was the, you know, it was the character questions. And Mike Mayock admitted that yesterday uh, to an extent. Here's what I found the most interesting. Mike Mayock talked yesterday about this, is that he said they did their most like homework on Damon Arnett compared to anybody else. Like they thought, yeah, yeah, there's some concerns there, but we can work with it. The part that I don't get just from a front office standpoint, Damon Arnett wasn't some guaranteed talent. Like this wasn't like, oh, that guy would be a top five pick, but he's got character concerns. So he's going to fall. Like this was a guy that was projected outside the first round. Like they took this giant risk on a guy with a bad character without really having the upside of, oh, this guy could be a superstar in the NFL. Like, I don't understand that from a front office standpoint when you're talking about risk-reward with a player. Like, that just didn't make any sense whatsoever. No, of course it doesn't. And we've seen repeatedly with the Raiders' front office under John Gruden and Mike Mayock that they want to show you how smart they are instead of just trying to get the best football players. Um, And whether it's... Damon Arnett or Cleveland Furl, or in this particular case, uh, we could also, pardon me, bring in Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram, anybody that they've drafted and say, you're trying to prove something to us. I mean, just go to last year. You're trying to prove something to us with Alex Leatherwood. And Alex Leatherwood has been terrible. So when it came to Damon Arnett, it was a reach even before you knew about those things. And I wonder if the Raiders would have been, Tyler, so eager to get rid of Damon Arnett had he been performing on the field. Because not only had he been consistently injured, but beyond that, he was just bad. Yeah. Like, he was a bad football player for the Raiders. His pro football focus grades uh, for his two seasons, which included a total of 400 snaps, uh, he had a 32 grade last year. He had a 41 grade this oh, year. Trending up. Um, his coverage grades were both 37 and below. He was one of the worst cornerbacks in the NFL. How much did that have to do with off the field? Who knows? The point is, on the field, he wasn't doing much for them either. All right, coming up next, we are going to jump into the Golden Knights. They're back in action tonight. You know, you want to be in the uh, in the media and you people talking about you for your performance and, and good things and your team winning games you know not not things like this so it's it's definitely been um it's been a little tough at times just the conversations that people are having about you or you know about whether it's a trade and and surgery and just your whole situation but you know there's a respect between kevin and i and and uh we knew that uh you know something needed to happen and and you know i appreciate him uh you know him giving me the opportunity to go somewhere and and get my preferred surgery and, and just try and uh, you know get my career uh, career back where it needs to be and I wanted to just stand up for what I believed in more than anything and and um, you know there was disagreements and it's understood but uh, I think we uh, you know we finally got past that Jack Eichel spoke to the media yesterday his first press conference as a part of the Golden Knights. As you heard there, he's talking about his neck surgery, which he is going to have soon. And then we will wait and see how long the recovery process will be. Jack Eichel has said that he hoping it is three months, um, which by the way, just to go off on Jack Eichel for a second here, um, he has stated he wants to play in the Olympics, which happens in February. Uh, Adam, you and I have talked about the idea of the Golden Knights 
roster, the salary cap, and the potential that Jack Eichel could simply be out the entire season. And then like Nikita Kucherov, play his first game for the Golden Knights in the postseason. Obviously, it would be a little bit different because he has never played for this team before, whereas Kucherov was a big part of that Tampa Bay team prior to last postseason. Uh, I am curious, though, if he's out here stating he wants to play in the Olympics, does that kind of blow up the idea that the Golden Knights could sort of skate by, never have to get rid of anybody and bring him off LTIR once the postseason's here? No, not at all. I mean, I want to play in the Olympics, and I'm not going to be able to. And Jack Eichel probably wants to play in the Olympics, and he might not be able to. You have to just see how these things develop over time. I really don't think we can get too far ahead of Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee right now because it's not just Jack Eichel in a vacuum, yeah. right? They're going to be figuring out bringing guys off long-term IR consistently, whether it's Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, or Jack Eichel down the line. And by the way, if you want to know the state of the Golden Knights, just think about the three players I just mentioned. Um they're going to be able to manage this one at a time. And I think the Jack Eichel situation uh, will, I don't want to say it'll work itself out because to, to do that means that I'm kind of glossing over the fact that they're probably going to lose players off this roster. Like there are guys among the 20 who start every game who are going to go. Uh, but that said, I don't think it's something to worry about right now. Uh, it is plausible. They could make it uh, through the season without losing anybody. Uh, but again, that requires guys not coming off long-term IR until the regular season is over. Uh, do you, I know you have uh, complained to me. You've complained on this show about major league baseball and it's blackouts. Do you have any hot takes on what ESPN plus and Hulu are doing to the golden Knights game tonight, where the game will not be available on AT&T Sportsnet, the usual regional sports network that broadcasts Golden Knights games. It's also not going to be on a national channel, so it won't be on, you know, say TNT, like we've seen a couple other Golden Knights games or ESPN. Uh, it is ESPN Plus and Hulu only. So in order to watch this, you've got to be subscribed to either ESPN Plus or Hulu, or they come in a bundle too, so you might have both. But that is the only way you can watch tonight's Golden Knights game. Is this uh, is this any hot takes for the NHL on this? Oh, I was tilted by this over the weekend because the New Jersey Devils were on their West Coast swing. They played Anaheim on, I believe, either Tuesday or Wednesday, and they played the Kings on Friday. And here I am as a DirecTV subscriber with an extra $13 a month for all the regional sports networks and I can't access the game. I can't get it on any of the local RSNs, even though those are part of my package, because ESPN's got it exclusively on a streaming platform. Like It's one thing when they take a Sunday night baseball game and then you can't access it anywhere else, you know, you don't get a local broadcast, so on, whatever. I mean, that's nationally available on the ESPN broadcast network. This is ridiculous to take a game that, if you're paying for the RSN, that you can't get because they've put it behind a different paywall. So I get it. This is part of how the NHL had to sell its soul um, to ESPN <laughs> in order to get back on ESPN because it's the NHL and their ESPN. And years ago when the NHL and Gary Bettman thought they were super smart and left for you know the NBC family, they, you know, they screwed ESPN. And so, you know, not that ESPN was dying to keep them either, but at the same time, this is what it had to take to get back on ESPN. Whatever. I'll be at the game, so I don't really care that much. <laughs> so my first thought was baseball has done this with YouTube TV in the regular season. 
uh, where they've taken, they'll take a random regular season game and it'll be on, it's the YouTube TV game of the week. The main difference though, was that was free. All you had to do was get onto YouTube and you had to locate the game, which I found to be a bit annoying trying to find it. But as soon as you located it, it was free. This is not like, this is very much so you have to be subscribed to ESPN plus or Hulu to get this. You've got to pay extra money to get this. And it is, I, I, it's, it's interesting how far sports leagues are going to be able to go in terms of asking you to pay for different platforms, different subscriptions for fans to keep watching. Uh, Because this is, I mean, to watch the Golden Knights, you have to have a cable package with AT&T Sportsnet. That's pretty obvious. The majority of their games are there. You've also got to have ESPN slash TNT, which most things, I assume, if you have AT&T Sportsnet, you already have ESPN and TNT. But now... You also have to have ESPN Plus to watch this game, and I haven't looked at the schedule. There might be more, but you also have to have ESPN Plus to watch this game on top of it. The worst for me is, like, as a Arsenal fan, as a big soccer fan, it's a nightmare because I have to have cable for NBC, and then if I want to watch every Arsenal game in the Premier League, I also have to have Peacock uh, and pay for Peacock's subscription plan, and then they also play a different tournament that's only on ESPN Plus, And then if they ever make it back into the Champions League, that is only on Paramount Plus. So, like, I'm fascinated to see how far sports leagues can go before enough sports fans say, no, I I can't pay for that much stuff. That's ridiculous. Think about it with the Golden Knights, Tyler. In this case, let's say you go sign up for ESPN Plus because you want to watch this game. And then you see, and I'll give ESPN credit for this, that signing up for ESPN Plus also gets you what used to be NHL TV. Right. So you get all of the out of market games for the rest of the country. So, you know, at the price of ESPN Plus, it's not all that bad. That's a good deal. The problem is out of market games. So in that case, the Golden Knights and the NHL are making you pay twice to be able to see Golden Knights games. You're first having to pay for something that has AT&T Sportsnet. And then you're also having to pay for ESPN Plus. But ESPN Plus only gets you the games that ESPN has made exclusive to ESPN. It doesn't get you everything else because that's part of the in-market. So I don't mind having to pay for different platforms for different games, but don't make me pay twice for the same game. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. I'm excited to see Gwen Stefani. Not sentences I'd imagine that you would have said very much if you had been in a different city. Not that we're trying to do native advertising for the city of Las Vegas, which I personally don't care (laughs) for very much. Uh Uh-oh, David. Wow, exposed. (laughs) What's wrong with Las Vegas? Nothing's wrong with Las Vegas. I went there when I was in college, and I didn't have any money, and I I lost, you know, whatever, the $40 that I had in my checking account in 15 minutes, and then I felt glum for a few hours until my friends drove me home. I haven't been there as somebody that, like, has health insurance. I'm sure that it's really cool if you can, like, Dan McCoy, my coworker, had a great time there, although he wasn't able to go see uh, Gwen Stefani as he'd hoped to. Uh, he wound up having to flip those tickets, which is honestly probably more fun if you know him. Uh, like, he was happy to have made $20 on the experience. He wound up, what? Okay, hold on. He had to flip Gwen Stefani tickets. That's a, okay, what? 
he had another obligation, you know, and uh, he had gotten those tickets because he wanted to go see like a residency and it didn't seem like it mattered to him very much who it sting to Gwen Stefani way more uh, easily than anyone should be able to do. <laughs> okay. On baseball, are we about to have a lockout? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't think that the season's going to be like, I, I think that we're going to get most of a full baseball season next year. But I also feel like this is one of those things where everybody just needs to get it out of their system. Uh, and I'm not seeing a lot of like seriousness from the owners in terms of, I mean, just over the last year, it seems like there's been a great deal of weird posturing and like kind of like floating really bad ideas in public in the hopes that somehow they're going to make the owners seem more sympathetic than the players. But it all feels to me like kind of uh, a performance at this point that like the owners are really mad that they have to pay the players and the players are mad for, much more obvious and I think easy to understand reasons. But I also feel like there's maybe this is me whistling past the graveyard. I feel like broadly speaking, they get that they can't afford to have a shorter baseball season next year after the last couple of years. And just the general kind of vibe of baseball under the Manfred era. Like you can't just chop a third off of the season and think that you're going to come back for that. Right. You know, as normal as you went in. You, get that vibe off the Rob Manfred era because I have to say I struggle a bit to get that vibe off the Rob Manfred era because he was willing to go to the mats last year for and with an ended up with a 60 game season he has been perfectly willing to tinker with the structure of the game of baseball oh um, yeah I, do well, he, you think really he like just understands that the much. money is too valuable yeah, I think it's basically – so I don't think that Rob Manfred's a big baseball fan, which is kind of a strange thing for a commissioner. Like, it would like it would be like if I was uh, – if I worked for, like, the, the um, coconut water lobby, you know, and I had to go out there every day and talk about uh, coconut water and how we're going to improve it so that it tastes less like having a headache. But, like, I would have to <laughs> consume a lot of coconut water as part of that job. Manfred – as far as I can tell, his main thing is being uh, a lawyer who's mean to people. That's been like the uh, the thing that's gotten him as far as he's gotten in his career. But I don't sense that there's any real understanding there of what people like about baseball or why they like it. But he is very good at doing what the billionaires that he works for tell him to do. So that's like 30 guys, uh, most of them pretty unreasonable people, I think, we can agree. And I think that at some point those guys, I mean, they are going to want to try to break the union and arbitration, do all the stuff that they try to do every time the CBA expires. But fundamentally, I think they, they want their gate receipts and they want their TV money. And they're not going to, I, I think that they're going to be as annoying as they can possibly be without messing with their own bottom line. I think that that's like the defining thing of the Manfred era. And a lot of the stuff that, you know, the tinkering with the game and stuff like that, I think is similar stuff. I mean, I think that that just sort of reflects like he's going to do the most annoying stuff that he can do within his purview, but they know not to step on the union's toes because it's a, it's a strong union. And I don't know, you know, how well the union is going to stand up to the pressure that's coming, but I do think that fundamentally Manfred and the owners are, and this is a blessing, I don't want them to take this the wrong way, are too cowardly to actually really blow anything up. 
I hope that that's correct. Do you want the Yankees or Dodgers to sign Carlos Correa? I want him to go to, like, the Tigers or something. I've decided that he needs to go someplace and be, like, a sort of a franchise centerpiece. I don't really know exactly how good he is. I think he's uh, probably better than I'm getting. But hasn't really been as healthy as you'd want. But I think it's, like, time for a team that isn't that good to sign a free agent and make a move towards being good. I feel like we need more of that. The Tigers did it with uh, Ivan Rodriguez and like went to the World Series. This was you know 15 years ago. I think that something like that. I mean, him going to the Dodgers or the Yankees is like, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. And in terms of what I want, uh, what I want has no bearing on what the Dodgers or Yankees do. It never has. But I feel like there's like I would like to see the talent get distributed a little bit more uh, evenly. And that can be the, I mean, you know, it's free agency and even like whoever puts in the highest bid can do it. I just feel like I don't want another off season of it being the same two teams bidding against each other while everyone else tries to like see what relief pitchers are left in February. I think we got to do better than that. <laughs> so David, you suggest a place like Detroit, um, you know, there are, I mean, there are outposts all over the country that don't always end up with all the talent. Um, Green Bay is not one of them. Uh, Green Bay nope. has ended up with uh, with with the talented Mr. Rogers. Um, what did you think of Aaron Rodgers' performance art on Friday? It was so. I was at lunch with a like a friend, sort of mentor guy of mine, and the fact I was it was not a long lunch. Like we had souvlaki and we both had work to do, so we you know we sat we did that during the time that it took for me to eat like a sandwich with fries the guy burned his entire thing down. And so I, like, to get back on the train and realize that this guy that was sort of, whatever, like the chill hipster superstar, had just used the phrase cancel culture casket, right where everyone could see him doing it, was startling to me. Not because I didn't think, I mean, whatever, he's a, you know, pro football player. He's going to have some opinions that are going to seem, you know, strange to a non-pro football player. I was just surprised that he went there as as hard as he did he seems i guess at this point to have been surprised by the fact that people didn't really like it but to me you know i think that the combination of this like hollywood woo woo crystal vision stuff where the idea that like aaron rodgers thought he was immunized because he like ate some clay from a forest that was blessed by a stand-up paddleboard instructor he knows <laughs> that like all of that stuff to me is like that's it's his business i think it's pretty stupid um and i wouldn't recommend to anybody like swallow one shiny stone and think that that's somehow doing the work of the mrna vaccine to me it was more like the like coming at it like guns blazing with this like weird um online guy rhetoric was really a surprise from aaron Rodgers. did you i, I feel like that's a guy that shouldn't be on youtube that much <laughs> Did you see he is uh, apparently very happy with the response to his interview with Pat McAfee? Yeah, he seems uh, – that is the headline that I saw this morning. I have not read the article yet. It's in People magazine, uh, which is my first stop most mornings <laughs> just to see whose birthday it is. Uh, he, he was apparently – the quote was he's very unhappy. He was surprised that um, when he got on there and started, like, just doing the, the Joe Rogan lorem ipsum phrase book – that people, that people were mad about it. I think that, you know, 
to a certain extent, maybe this is a worthwhile reality check for Rodgers. I don't think he's a stupid guy. I think it's one of those things where there's such a thing as being like so famous that you have no idea what the rest of the world is doing or thinking or going through. And I think that that's like mostly what I'm, I'm sort of getting here is that like if you have, I mean, whatever, COVID is serious and can hurt anybody. But if you have hundreds of millions of dollars and you live your life in the sort of way that Aaron Rodgers does, I can see how the urgency of it might seem uh, diminished. I don't think that that really changes it. It doesn't justify anything, but it probably does explain how he could get on there and be so weird in a way that suggested he thought he was being totally reasonable and then also be surprised when people were like, you sounded really weird, man. <laughs> well, and also, just one thing to follow up on that, he, you, you burned down the you know the State Farm commercials and, and the hippie image, but when you think about sliding doors here, this guy could have been the host of Jeopardy this offseason and just yeah, never come back so to close. deal with any of these COVID protocols and been a cult hero for another 30 years. And now that is all gone. Yeah. Yeah. The Jeopardy thing is a real interesting one, too, because that's like from everything that I've learned about Alex Trebek. I mean, whatever. I watched him on TV and I read uh, Claire McNear's book about Jeopardy, which is really good. Uh that like if you have the answers to Jeopardy questions, people will think you're smart. Like, and they give you the answers. They're like on a little card. It's not like Alex Trebek knew all that stuff off the top of his head. But there, if Aaron Rodgers had been in that position, if he was the guy that like had all the answers and had to be like, I'm sorry, it's Montpellier. If, he, if that was him, <laughs> then this would have been like one of the great, like to go from that guy, the person that America is like, oh yeah, that's my friend, the professor that knows everything. To go from that to being the guy on Pat McAfee's show uh, explaining how crystals work is really uh, <laughs> what a turnabout that is. Well, he is David Roth from Defector. David, enjoy not coming to Las Vegas ever again. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and kick my butt for, for talking out of turn on the damn podcast. But yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Appreciate David. it. <laughs> so there is David Roth from Defector.com. Coming up next, Jared gets control of the show again. Everybody has to have an alter ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what my alter ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. His name, his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited. Yeah, you gotta be unlimited. You, know, you gotta have a thought process of being unlimited. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Jared, uh, this is your segment. I'm a little concerned to where we're going after the Russell Wilson sound, but what do we got today? We are going with Russell Wilson, mostly because has a dude ever been cornier than Russell Wilson? He tweeted out a picture of the pin being removed from his hand. No pin, time to win. And then he had a doctor, had a doc, had his doctor who performed the surgery release a statement that said, Although this is uncharted territory, I have never in my career seen such a severe injury to the throwing hand of an NFL quarterback. I have also never encountered a player so committed to his post-operative therapy and with so much conviction to return to the same, if not better, level of performance as he had pre-injury. 
I am absolutely amazed at his progress. So much so that I can now confidently clear him for full return to play without reservation. Everything Russell Wilson does is like, dude, just go play football. You, You're so weird. You say corny. Does he think he's a superhero? I don't know. I don't know where this behavior comes from between the sending a poem out about that he obviously cribbed from Google, the Mr. Unlimited, the bubbles that fix concussions, the I'm a virgin again. Nothing about this guy is like, dude, are you trying this hard to be cool? And you just have no concept of what cool is. Probably doesn't. But I, um, I think he might think he's a superhero. He gave himself his own nickname. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's let's get away from weird superhero talk. The the immediate comparison, and frankly, the one that's much better than yours, Jared, uh, is named Alex Rodriguez. Um, there is not a human being on earth who wants to be liked and wants to be different and wants to be fun, who is just a friggin' cheese ball than Alex Rodriguez. Russell Wilson has never done a photo shoot where he's kissing himself in the mirror, right? He has never posted on Instagram a sad video of him going through all of his Jennifer Lopez memorabilia after they break up. <laughs> like, Alex Rodriguez is the guy who just needed to go out there and play and can't handle it. He would have been the best baseball player that we'd ever seen if he would just go shut up and play <laughs> baseball. But uh, he couldn't handle that. Is it is it A-Rod that had the the painting of him as a centaur above his bed? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it A-Rod who had the power pairing with Derek Jeter until he decided to go give an interview that said, well, you know, when you go play the Yankees, you worry about Bernie Williams. You don't worry about Derek Jeter. <laughs> and then Derek Jeter iced him out for the remainder of their <laughs> natural lives. Oh, A-Rod's a good one. Alex Rodriguez. Okay, here's my question. Unrelated to Russell Wilson. How do these guys, the same guys, keep getting a job on Fox as the analyst during the postseason? Between A-Rod, Big Poppy, and uh, Frank Thomas, somehow David Ortiz is the only competent <laughs> one on that show. No, but what, what you're what you're forgetting is that you have to have taken some sort of foreign substance that <laughs> you either admit to loudly or don't admit to at all. Uh, because Alex Rodriguez and Cousin Yuri have been out there jamming steroids in his ass for a long time. Uh, David Ortiz, air quotes, never took PEDs. And Frank Thomas has been out there talking boner pills for years now. <laughs> Hey, those are legal, aren't they? <laughs> I'm not even going to give the name of the company a pop. All I'm going to say is you want to talk corny, go watch the ads on YouTube for Frank Thomas's boner pills. Well, the be all right. Well, two things. First of all, the best part of the Frank Thomas boner pills is that they have to go Frank Thomas the Big Hurt. <laughs> they have to get the they have to get the nickname the Big Hurt associated with boner pill. First of all, the second one is, didn't Fox at one point have Pete Rose on that broadcast, too? Did they? Yeah, they did. Oh. They did have Pete Rose uh, at one point. So can, have you guys thought about what we're going to have this weekend as long as Aaron Rodgers clears uh, COVID protocol and clears the system of horse paste? Like, yeah. we're going to have <laughs> Mr. 
Unlimited, Mr. Sierra, Mr. Weird, uh, Russell Wilson against Horse Pace McGee out there as the two quarterbacks in an NFL game. It's going to be fantastic. I am going to enjoy the 30-second sideline reports that try to cover both of those stories right before kickoff. It's going to be great. Yeah, like Aaron Andrews already had a sit-down with Aaron Rodgers before week one, right? (laughs) Because... For anybody who remembers, we spent the whole offseason talking about Aaron Rodgers and whether or not he would play football, period, and whether he would play in Green Bay. Now the only thing we talk about is the woke mob and horse paste. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep saying horse paste because it is part of the most ridiculous thing that we've seen all year in the NFL. All right, uh, Jared, you have to be teammates with Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Who do you want to be teammates with? Uh, Russell Wilson. Adam? Russell Wilson, because he's going to go so out of his way to try to look cool and do things to make you like him that you're going to end up with a lot of swag. That that was exactly what I thought. <laughs> I was like, he's going to buy me a watch for no reason. <laughs> I'm glad both of you went to. Well, I could probably get something out of this goofball. He's 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 got nudes of Sierra on his phone that he's going to be way too excited to show you when you never ask to see them. <laughs> I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is your teammate, you're probably closer to him than his family. That's got to count for something. I don't know which side of that I really want to get into. <laughs> do I do I want to be on the Aaron Rodgers camp or do I want to be on the family camp? Like, I I, I do want to see them on Family Feud. That would be awesome. Oh, against each other, though. They're not in the same yes, family. Yes, Rodgers versus Rodgers. <laughs>